Yo, what's good? For the Taste Show. Typically, we have CJ and the Beige Ranger Bino. Uh, this episode will be brought to you by another light-skinned brethren of ours, friend of the show, from where we were at at the last place, which we have no smoke with the good folks over at High 7025. Salute to E&M. Uh, to our man that goes by many of names, one will be Kid Kid, six feet, or under six feet, no beard, Pappy, and uh, director of something really cool and dope with the new changes in the city of Las Vegas and the hospitality environment. The dude that said, get off them blue shuttles because they about to fold on December 31st. Our good brethren, Mr. Ricky Kid, what's good, folks? What's going on out there? How you guys doing? And you know, uh, all in all, it seems like we're doing solid out here during the holidays. Now, there was a couple things we want to make sure that we talked about. Before we get to that, the particulars, make sure that you follow at For The Taste, at Taste, sorry, at Show underscore Taste, because for some reason, somebody took that shit on Twitter. I still don't know why they have it, because they only have like four followers. BK Norris 13, Mr. Duncan 4, and then yours is just straight Ricky Kid, right? My Instagram. Okay. Well, yeah, request to follow is always good. <laughs> so, uh, first things first, kid. Merry holidays to you. Yeah, I'll let you as well. I haven't seen you since Thanksgiving. Yeah, pretty much. Now, during that time, since we are recording on a Saturday, um, Shuck Row Records has moved a little bit from our normal recording studios to be remote at the Palatial Kid Estate. Here we are. Yes, welcome. Uh, now, first thing is that you was just out doing holiday shopping, and you being a proud father, wife, husband up, what is it to actually go out and do holiday shopping? Because one thing is we don't do that over in our house, so it's a whole bunch of Amazon and eBay. And Today wasn't even holiday shopping. Today was we had to get some light bulbs for the fridge. We had to get some uh, air fresheners. And, oh, and the wife did have to get some uh, stocking stuffers. So that was the purpose of the trip. But I got we had Amazon package arrive yesterday, the day before that, and I got one arriving tomorrow. So yes, Amazon and, and a Target one is coming also. Well, uh, newsflash, those bags that are over there for the holiday gifts, they don't have bricks of gold. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> gift cards travel well. And, and I try to start early, actually, because, you know, if you start at at, uh, at Black Friday, you really only got two paychecks to get everything in. So if you don't start by after Labor Day, really, kind of narrowing down what you're going to get and kind of saving up then, you're already in a world of hurt. You're going to start spending all your money and probably have to use your tax return to, to pay all back. that back. Yeah. I don't want to get in that route. So I try to keep it safe and simple. Now, when you have slightly older kids, and we came up during an age where, yeah, tech was important, but you could still get kids other toys outside of video games or tablets Correct. or technology. Correct. Today, no. Yeah, it's like, what, no. what is the game no. like now when you've got preteens, you know, um, educationally advanced, younger toddlers? And what kind of electrical bill are you doing worth of electronics that you're buying? So what are we in? So last year they got pretty much cell phones they were turning nine each of them my daughter or my my stepdaughter and my son they were turning nine last year so they both got cell phones last year and so for their individual birthdays so for christmas we got them um google homes each of them for the room that was their gift the year before that we each got them two tvs so kind of playing off each other they already have ipads they already have cell phones so the next logical step was we got them um Apple watches, but we didn't get the new Apple watch. My mom and my sister had Apple watches. They had the, the first generations. They were now getting the new ones, the five. So we're re-gifting 
the kids Apple Watch. Well, that's a responsible anyways. I mean, even if kids are good with their toys, toys are meant to be broken by kids. Correct. And they don't really play with toys. They might ask for a toy. They might play with it for, they play with toys less than we actually play with toys. You know, we play for, with toys for at least months. Right. It's it's a couple days, a couple weeks, and they're back on to, the, to their electronics. So we're kind of eliminating the toy situation. It's not Even if you ask them what they want, they're not asking for toys. My son, I asked him what he wanted. He just, he just wanted Beyblades. He just wanted Beyblades for his little stadium that he got for his birthday, and that's it. These are little $15 tops, if you will. Remember the spinning tops on a yeah, table? Kind of like, like that. The stripes on but you But you pull a string and it does it, and they battle each other. It's, it's a it's a Netflix show. It's a, it's a whole event that I was unaware of. So, I mean, those are only $15. So, yeah, I got him some new Beyblades. But other than that, I think it's something. I was going to get him the Jordans that came out today, but he's already got enough sizes. He only wears a size 3 now. I have sizes up from 4, 6, 7, and 8. Four, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Once you get to 8, those are adult prices, so he needs to hold off on that until he gets a job or, or goes on a roll. So I, I held off on that, and then that's pretty much it. So we got him some stocking stuffers. My wife, his stepmom, got him a, a Nerf vest because he likes Nerf guns, so he's got that. That was a cool 15, 20 bucks. And then, so we're, we're more about giving them memories than gifts for Christmas. So uh-huh. we're planning on taking them to, you know, Mount Charleston in a cabin, let them play in the snow. Like, doing stuff like that, then it's a bunch of gifts under the tree that they're not going to really play with and appreciate. Uh, the thing that we do notice even over at my nephew's house that he now wants to do more activities and actually get stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like the kids don't, they don't get out enough. I mean, there's been studies, like there were studies that came out last week that reason why a lot of kids are nearsighted is between television screens and not getting outside. Correct. They don't get enough sun. Correct. So you've got to try to find ways to actually remind them that you've got to be outside and just it, go see life. Cause, yeah, you might go race on Gran Turismo over in Rome, but if your kids can actually go see Rome, that's probably more, way more beneficial if you can actually have the means to do it. Correct. And so for next year, next summer vacation, we're, we're taking them on a cruise, a little th- three-day cruise or uh, carnival you know we probably might not even get off the ship at the ports just to get get them out get them on the boat let them run around and have fun be in the pool the water slide buffet see some shows they have a little kids club with other kids that are going to be on the cruise too they can kind of mingle with and build relationships with and so it's not just keeping them locked up in the house and playing on xbox or watching tv as far as in the city because you are a parent in las vegas mm-hmm. you were able to have your bride move from you know another big city to las vegas vegas gets a lot of shtick about not being a great place to be able to raise kids at mm-hmm. you know what would you say that that ain't necessarily the truth to or do you believe that that's actually a bad stereotype that we're getting it's a it's a bad stereotype, but in my eyes, it's a correct one. Now I'm giving an example. I used to work I used to work in the hotel. So let's say I worked. Let's say me and my wife worked in hotels. Whether a, a dealer, front desk, manager, whatever the case may be, my our schedules wouldn't be a nine to five. So let's say I worked a, a two to ten schedule because I was a swing shift front office supervisor at the front desk. But my off days were maybe Wednesday, Thursday. So that would be my schedule. Let's say my wife also worked at a hotel. Let's say her she was a 12-day shift. And maybe her off days were, uh, what I say mine were Tuesday, Wednesday. Let's say hers were Wednesday, Thursday. So yes, we had one day off yeah. together. Yeah. But just during the week. So, but each of us would be working essentially at night. So our kids would get out of school at 2 o'clock. They would be latchkey kids like we were. But we were latchkey kids, but someone came home at 5 or 6. Yeah. But no one's coming home until 8. So that kid is home alone for 3, 4 hours alone. So it's up to them to be responsible, to get their homework done. If they have a project to do, get on top of the project. Then if we were to extend that out, now on the weekends, neither one of us would be home because we'd be working. So what does the child do? So they're out there, I guess we'll quote unquote, running the streets, if you will. Yeah. But it's different running the streets when there's a parent at home 
than when you run in the streets and knowing that no one is going to be home at all until eight o'clock. So I think that's kind of where where it comes into Vegas, where we have a, a high dropout rate, where we have a low graduation rate because of that, because of parents are sacrificing and they're working to provide a, a life for their children, but they're also not there to be involved for their children. And so that's kind of something that that I've taken into account in taking jobs, like how much freedom do I have? Whereas I can pick my son up every day at 2.50 because I can leave the office or I work from home, I don't even have an office. I can just, and if I have to answer an email or take a conference call, I'm mobile, I can do that on the on the way. I can do that on the way home and just have him be quiet while I'm taking a quick conference call, whatever the case may be, to give me that luxury. So even when I look for a new job, it's looking, well, what, what kind of hours am I giving him? What am I sacrificing as far as my work-life balance? So what is it What is it risk to me? How much more are you gonna have to pay me to give that up? And so I've done the math where it's like, hey, if you're gonna pay me 25% more than I'm making now, I'll, I'll, I'll consider kind of giving up those freedoms. Yeah. But if you're not gonna do that, then I'm, I'm, I'm cool essentially not making as much as I probably could, that, that potential income, because in return, this is what I get to do. I get to pick my son, I, essentially every day I pick both of them up. I pick one up from school, the other from daycare. That's pretty much my day to life, and we're home by three thirty, three forty-five. Oh, and I, I mean, and so it, they might not appreciate it now, but when they get older, like, dang, dad picked me up. He never missed nothing. He was always there, and that's kind of what I've I've grown to sacrifice. And even my, my wife even says she's kind of jealous that I have that that freedom to be able to do that. Yeah, and and that's something that we'd say a generation behind us is different because we didn't necessarily have, for the most part those parents being in the household because like I said they were out there earning and then the the mantra when we were in school was you know just get through school get the job work grind get as much in as you can you know life will balance out eventually and we ended up finding out that there's a lot of receipts about that now of people ended up having work-life balance burnout career changes to where they they just aren't happy where they're at in life so for us to be able to pick that up a little bit earlier and from not having a whole lot of people that are role models in that, that's a, a unique perspective to be able to have. And it's a good one that a lot of you guys have that do have kids right now. Because our household, we don't have any kids at this point. The one that's in there, he's a grown-ass young adult. So it's like it's a little bit different. <laughs> so you can come and go. It's all right. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, from growing up here, I couldn't see having children the same way as we came up. He said that there's a lot more freedoms out here and there's a lot more irregularities of just good things that kids can actually get themselves into and there's not as many resources to them and then even some of the the public school grants um, after school services they don't have as much money as they used to nah. when we were going through them and then you know the weekend programs it's tough to get your kids into a sport or get them into something extracurricular if you can't get there correct you know and you can't commit that time with like them. even even with me if i've like my oldest son, if I couldn't get him to the games, his mom wouldn't be able to because she doesn't get off till five five thirty. So even even on when he plays baseball and he has a game, I'm even if it's not my my day custody wise, I'm the one that picks him up because I have to pick him up, get him home, have him do his homework, feed him, dress him, and get him to the game or practice because she wouldn't have enough time to do it. So if I wasn't around or God forbid I died or whatever the case may be, he just wouldn't be able to do it because no one would be able to get him to these places. No one would have that that freedom of their job and that opportunity to do it. So with that particular topic, it also brings us up to something that we have started to see a little bit with unfortunate regularity is younger artists, younger people 
finding greater vices to get themselves into trouble. Um, as of this recording, the music hip hop world had lost an artist by the name of Juice World. Now, I'm not about to sit here and seem like I'm up all the way up on the culture. I have heard some of the kids' music. I know about the Sting flip where he was getting royally pulled over. the That's money. my son, one of his favorite songs he requests in the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I know that he had impact. And similar to like with the Triple X at Tentacion and those artists, they, they're catching these kids and they're making impactful music to them. But then we also have to drill into what a lot of these kids are saying in their music. There's two points to this I want to bring up to you. One, from you having a, a lyrical mindset and having some penmanship back in your day. I can recall when we were coming up, we might have, for good or bad, looked up to the, the hip-hop artists and their stories. But it seemed like when we were growing up, the stories were about being, even if it wasn't a good thing, being the block boy. You know, you were either pushing the dope, you know, or you was flossing the lifestyle, helping the people that push dope. But now it's like, what's cool is being a user and not just a user of what we call quote party drug they're getting into stuff that the feds are having a big issue with with the opioid epidemic and we're losing kids off of that because they don't have that guidance and it goes back to what you were talking about with you know parents not being there especially in a town like this here in a lot of big cities and i know that these kind of drug epidemics happen a shit ton more in small towns Mm -hmm. But it's something that we have to take into account that these kids don't have the guidance and they don't have something to do. So all they're going to do is listen to people while they're playing their video games or while they're in home. And these stories of kids that were basically screaming out for help because they had addictions. Right. They are telling these stories to these other kids and then like, oh, that's sad, but I'm going to do it with them, too, because I'm sad like that, too. So first off, do you think that we're having a bigger problem with that kind of narrative in our music and then two how can we change that to be able to help some of these kids understand that as far as the narrative i think it's it's the audience has changed so for instance when we we first hear jay-z and biggie rap about selling drugs we're not thinking like okay that's what we want to do we take it as oh that's their story yeah that's what they had to do to get by i can appreciate that i'm not trying to emulate that like be that life even if you want to rap you might imitated your rap style like okay I'm, since this was popular i'm going to talk about it but i'm still not i'm not going to do it these kids today because they're what they're rapping about isn't a gangster lifestyle isn't a, a drug dealing lifestyle being on the block it's more of these are what i'm dealing with internally these are my issues and more people can relate to that so they hear oh he's going through this he's, he's having his lucid dreams or suicidal thoughts you know to play on words if you will i have that too how is he getting through it oh he's getting through it because he's popping percocets and perk and xanax well maybe that's what i need to do yeah. instead of them taking it hey i need to go see a therapist and get help for my i'm gonna i'm gonna self-medicate it and fix it myself mm-hmm. and i think that's what it is so they they make it seem like okay this is the life i lead this is what i'm dealing with this is how i get through this lifestyle this is how you need to get through it also. Instead of in their music saying, hey, I'm dealing with this, I might be doing popping pills to get through it, but you don't have to do that. You should you should set out and find this avenue to have. And a lot of, I mean, and they make it seem cool. I mean, they, oh, you know, I'm, for someone to be depressed and be down and then continue to take downers, it seems counterproductive. True. And then even with this Juicer, uh, Juice World situation, his story is not going to be told properly because regardless what happened, I don't even know why I'm going to say allegedly, but allegedly, you know, Buddy had about 70 pounds worth of green and then... And guns. And guns. So it's going to switch from it probably being a mental health and a drug addiction story to he was just a drug dealer trying to pitch something. And it's probably a story... I mean, to me on the outside, that's how it looks. To me, how it looked is that they were transporting weed from L.A. to Chicago because that's where they came from, L.A. They came from Van Nuys Airport, I'm familiar with it, yep. so, and uh, the private jet. Yep. So to me, they were transporting California weed, 70 pounds of it, to someone in Chicago, okay? Mm-hmm. 
the the pilot was aware of this. He called FAA, he called the authorities, they land. In panic, instead of worrying about we're gonna get caught with this 70 pounds weed, he he ingests and swallows all the prescription drugs and overdose on them. To me, that's the story I read and that's what I took from the story. So on one hand, it's like, oh yes, we lost someone, we lost someone young. I completely agree with that. But on the other hand, you're like, well, he didn't have to ingest those drugs. He, he took it upon himself to save himself and yeah. to save his friends. And he, essentially he panicked. And in that moment, he panicked. And unfortunately, he died because of that. Yeah, this one isn't the same as, you know, a Mac Miller type of story. Correct. And Mac Miller's story was more of he had bought bad drugs, if you will, from a bad dealer who, had, who was laced and he overdosed on it. Right. Had some right. fentanyl, too much of a fentanyl hit on Correct. whatever the downer was. And, it. I mean, what are the chances that it, the drugs they're taking are even legitimate drugs and not just street generic drugs? Yeah, paint shavings and... Uh, and anything you're throwing into it. Yeah, so, nail I mean, polish so, remover, all that kind and of And even everything stuff. with the opiate, yes, it's, it's a bad addiction, but to me, again, my opinion, they are making a bigger case of it because of, of the, the neighborhoods and the demographic it's touching. Bingo. Versus how crack and heroin is, you know, usually urban um, minorities, the drug choice for them. Mm-hmm. So now that the opioids have hit, anyone could be affected by that. You could go to the doctor for, you know, bad back, now you're taking a painkiller, and you know I like, I like the way I feel, and you just keep on taking it because now you're addicted to it, and it grows and grows and grows, and you just keep on getting fed that prescription, and it grows and grows and grows. So as a parent, if you're taking it because you have a back pain, and now your 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 child hears about it in a rap song, and hey, my dad takes those, let me start gold rating his 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 medicine cabinet, and then it's kind of like a trickle down effect. And that point, it hits home a little bit because I was out in Tucson for work this week, sitting with a gentleman that he's from greater Seattle, smaller town, you know, one of those suburb towns, but he was around African-Americans and around Latinos because of school they went to. Mm -hmm. So he like, he was a kid where the family did okay, but they went to a school that wasn't a prep school. And he stayed around and like kicking with those guys forever, kept moving around, kept making his money. But one of those friends from school became a professor. So he was telling me like the story that he told in that conversation was in his class, he brought up that it's approximately one out of every three African-American males that were born from 1975 to 1990 have probably at least seen a set of jail bars, be it if it's just for holding, be it if it's just for city, if mm-hmm. it's been for county. If it's been, And he was sitting there saying to me, like, oh, yes. <laughs> and then he kind of brought it like, you know, that's just like, how do we stop that? So one of those things that I brought up was just what you were talking about with where the crack bill in the 80s and then the reform bill in 94 like what that did even if those parents and those men were doing things that were illegal and was moving weight correct it was a greater issue to the feds and the state cops taking them and putting them into private institutions to make money off of them outside of just taking them off the streets for violating a crime you took away men from being able to be around their children then that's a whole generation of men and young women that don't have their father around for a reason that should have been a small it was a not it was a non-violent crime exactly exactly and so i mean you, you, they should have got you know a year three years but they were get, be given 15 10 20 25 years for for non-violent crimes yeah for having two rocks on them but then you know mr jones that was living in manhattan embezzling the whole uh, trust funds and, and and pension funds. Yeah, and had a quarter key of just powder in his house. He got a slap on the wrist. But if it had been rocked up, he'd have got the twelve to fifteen. Correct. Years. 
So those rules, I mean, they have that ripple effect, and those receipts are finally starting to come back now after all those years. And it's now going to take almost a whole other generation of men that have went through those pains to try to clean get some of those, yeah, track. clean up some of those stains from what the feds have done if they don't get into more trouble and have a greater issue. So it's it's an unfortunate thing when it comes to the opioid epidemic with the kids. But I just wanted to make sure that we loop that back because it kind of brought back the the parents not being around and how does certain cities and certain households, how does that affect that drug epidemic because of the accessibility that these kids end up having. It's a sad thing to talk about during the holiday season, but make sure during the holiday season a lot of these kids are going to have free time. You know, because you got to you got to stay involved and keep them busy, whether it be at the YMCA, Boys and Girls Club. As much as I would like to not have to pay to send them to the Boys and Girls Club on holidays and spring break. I mean, it's better than having them sitting around the house. It's true. It's true. And if you can't have the means or you don't have the means to be able to, to send your kids to an after school program or, you know, a holiday season program because you're out there grinding. If you know that you've got something that the kids could get into trouble with be it the pills be it any of your other friendly you know illicit drugs hell pistols and all that just at least be responsible and know that your kids are going to be around and they're going to have way more free time to just snoop around and find stuff than they ever would before so do your best to just be responsible with that we don't need to have too many of these stories of kids ODing on stuff that they have no need to have in their possession and worse off you know firing off pistols taking them to places that they shouldn't have those pistols either so the PSA of taking care of your goddamn kids, we got that out of the way. Now, I am going to transition to the, the sport of football. I did get, as of this recording, a news flash that Joe Burrow, I think he officially changed his name to Burrow with the EAUX, like he's from Louisiana, uh, is the 2019 Heisman Trophy winner. Rightfully so. He should have he won. Yeah, yeah. No uh, controversy there. No, none at all. And it makes it to where it's a quarterback that's not involved with you know, West Coast throwing the football or a non-traditional school is going to have a quarterback, you know, getting the um, getting the award. LSU should still be the favorite to win the, the national right. title in college football. It's that time of the year where you start to get sad. Yeah, NBA starts to pick up and all, but football is where it, it's fun to actually be able to get up on the Saturdays, go put you a couple dollars up to get some action, you know, roll the parlays into Saturday, Sunday. We're, we're almost away from that because – and that's yep. the only sport I bet on is football. Yeah, because basketball becomes too challenging because we've got a game going on live, you know, during the recording, and it looked like they both just was going through the motions <laughs> between the Bulls and the Clippers, just a random-ass Saturday yeah. in Chicago. They, they don't, neither one of them want to be playing right now. Yeah, so it's tough for me to believe that you're going to put in that much effort for me to get that minus eight spread right there unless somebody on the inside already knows something. Now, with the, the college football, we're seeing more and more of these kids starting to get an idea of ownership of their talents and the kids that were, if they're somewhat injured, you know, like the, the Bosa kid from last year where he got injured, he went to the Niners. Yep. You know, where he was four games in and Ohio Shut State, it down. You know, Ohio State had a chance to be able to, you know, win a national title and all that. He's like, nah, I'm cool. So. Wasn't worth it. You, you see these videos of these multi-billion dollar, you know, training facilities and uh, housing complexes and the money that these places are generating the revenue but the kids aren't getting anything off of it and then when the states do decide to vote the NCAA open which like California did it Nevada did it go figure these same gentlemen are Brandon Raven talking about you know it's taken away from the student athlete experience no it's taken away from the plantation experience correct because I saw a couple reports well what is uh now kids are going to be driving on campus in Lamborghinis and Ferraris, blah, blah, blah. Okay, anyone that's went to a college campus, whether it be a regular 
school like UNLV, there were already kids driving BMWs and Mercedes. So what makes them any different than the athlete who essentially made the money off of himself and his likeness and his own talent and purchased his own car? What is the difference between that? And it's just a bold-faced lie because those same you know parents and um, policymakers and student regulators, when they were on campus, their favorite athletes was getting paid. Yes. You know, it they just make it seem like it didn't happen. Like um, any of you, it's always happened. Any of you regulators that are at Southern Methodist University, don't be holier than thou. The pony uh, was a pony excess. That yeah, was a yeah, great yeah. thirty for thirty. Um, Shouts out to any of our folks down in Coral Gables, Eric Florida. Eric probably still getting paid for. Yeah, and, 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 and <laughs> was it the pony, uh, Craig James? Yeah, 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 they probably still getting checks. Yeah, so it's it's happened since the beginning of the college football experience, and I think that if here's the reason why they don't want it to happen to where the kids get more is because then they might shift the schools that they're going to. Correct. Uh, A big thing that we start to hear more and more rumblings of is the HBCU movement. It's unfortunate that during this time of the year, the only thing that's going to be of real importance of a football game with an HBCU is the band. Mm. You know, when, what? let's just short call it and say eight out of every ten players on a college football team is probably of African-American descent. But they don't give scholarships, so yeah. there's no way for those uh, those students to go to school. Right. They can't they can't afford to pay for it, so they just don't go. Yeah, they can't they afford go to pay where for they it. can go for free, and they and they're going to be showcased. Yeah, and then the endowments are different, so that also goes back to some of those people. This is going back to our people. Like you might complain about those HBCUs not being able to get money. That means that y'all got to put some money back into the schools too. You know, and some of these folks that are at that may not have went to these HBCUs, but their parents did. To, and they went to the bigger school because, as you just brought up, kid, that you know that school didn't give that scholarship. Still, give some back, even if you if you got a ten million dollar nut that you was gonna give to, let's just say USC, because you went to USC. Mm. You can go nine to USC, one to Clark Atlanta because your mama went there, and that's gonna make wonders for Clark Atlanta. Correct. But don't nobody do that. And you know, there's been articles from like Jamel Hill of the last couple months. Uh, just talking about how the HBCU might be the key to being able to break some of this up to where it's more of an open playing field. And in football, it's going to be a tougher challenge. Yeah. But that is the revenue drawing sport on almost every campus. You know, that's why you'll occasionally see in basketball, there'll be a half decent team from an HBCU because you can impact quicker on the basketball court than you can, you know, on the football field because of the number and just the amount of money that you need to be able to, to be a half decent program. It just makes you wonder. Are kids going to ever be told by their parents that that's just not the thing to do, just to not go into the student-athlete experience? And just even if you are a great talent, let's say you're a great football player, is there going to be a way where you can just kind of work a semi-pro type league for the two or three years and then get in? Do you think that we'll ever have that kind of cutout? In football, no. There's no other league besides the NFL. Yes, we have the CFL, NFL tried, NFL Europe. But aside from that, there is no – no other league. With basketball, you can go to China. There's the G League. There's Russia, Europe, wherever the case would be. There is basketball that can be played. So you can pull a Brandon Jennings and just, you know, I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to go spend my year because I have to take a year after college before I can go pro. Yeah. I'm going to spend it in Europe or, you know, uh, what um, LaMelo Ball is doing. You can do that in basketball. In football, you can't do that. There is no minor league. You have to go to college to play football. You have to showcase. You have to be out of high school for three years. So you have to redshirt or you have to play three years straight, and that's the only way you can get to the NFL. Even if you take a year off, most teams aren't going to look at you because there's no there's no footage. There's no, there's no film. They don't know what you can do on the field. There's no way. There's no place to watch you besides 
training and running the 40-yard dash and a couple shuttles here and there. And that's not game-ready. At least that's what they say. I mean, that's also where they can say that you can't get yourself back into the league either when Correct. you know you throw a whole bunch of good footballs Correct. and you know set up your. We'll own. get the receiver in, but but the quarterback now nah, he's not getting that. No, no, get the, the the free safety and the defensive back in, but not the quarterback. Correct. Now with one other football topic, and I'm just going to go ahead and give the disclaimer: this part of the show is about to disgust me. We are in the backhand stretch of the NFL playoff chase. As two NFC West fans, I'm sitting in a house of a fan that a team is actually winning and the other one is trying to chase a playoff spot. (laughs) In saying that, I'm not going to talk about the team from Los Angeles first. I'll give credits to the team from San Francisco. Do you think that they'll hold on to the one seed to at least get into the playoffs? Um, It's going to be close. The remaining schedule is Falcons this week, Mm -hmm. minus 11. uh, Entertainment purposes only. (laughs) They play... The Rams, I believe, next week, and then they play Seattle. Do would I like them to get a home playoff? Absolutely. But if they don't, they play Dallas. That's fine. That's like a, a bye. We're right back. We're right back. Right back in the championship game after that. So either we're gonna play Dallas or the Eagles because they're gonna be seven and nine. Seven and, and nine. Eight and eight some, lucky. But someone's gotta win that division. So we play them on the road. That's fine. Okay. And salute to the the OG, my mother. And I, I I, I kind of would want that because I would want Jimmy G to get an extra game in. To be able to have some preparation before going, just, into just such an a good extra game. game, not necessarily a play, quote unquote playoff game, or, or you know have to prove to me that he can win on the road. I don't need just an extra game because I mean he's still coming off an injury. People forget that he he actually probably should be the comeback player of the year. I could see that. You know, he played three games last year, tears his ACL, comes back, and he struggled in the preseason. He had that preseason practice where he threw five straight interceptions, whatever, and everybody was looking down on him. No one wanted to give him credit. In the last eight, ten games, he's been, I mean, top five MVP candidate. He's been all right. You know, he's definitely earned his paycheck that he's getting. Uh, unlike the dude that's in L.A., even when he looks good, he still finds a way to, to make you feel <laughs> a like. shaky? Yeah. Like, you're stuck with him yeah, for five, like another half a decade. Yeah, five years in with 30-plus million dollars, and then like one year he's getting like 38-something ridiculously nasty. Now, Miles is actually, as of this recording, in Dallas with a collective of other Dallas Cowboy fans from Las Vegas. The Ram game? Yeah, to go watch the Ram Rams game. Rams minus one? Yeah. And, and we're riding <laughs> it wasn't that. pick them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're riding that one heavy um, for many reasons. I, I want to have all kind of salty hate, and that's really the only way that L.A. gets into the playoffs. Now, it, with uh, the NFC being the way that it is, you pretty much know that it's really only going to come down to playoff spots between the Niners, the Saints, unfortunately the Cowboys, and then you're looking at the NFC North champion, which somehow or another the Packers probably look like they're going to be They're probably the Vikings. Yep. You think the Vikings, or Vikings will sneak past the Pack? No, I'm talking about as far as that division, they'll probably get both of them in. See, that's the challenge, though. You know, if you're a Los Angeles Rams fan, you cannot have two teams come out of that that division. Correct. You know, you need the Vikings to go all Kirk Cousins to you be need able help. To, yes, to be able to get that action. Uh, but still, it doesn't seem like even though there's, there's been a lot of good records this year, there hasn't been a lot of great games that have been on TV. You know, I, I can remember. You know, and this has nothing to do with being a Rams fan, but the the Chiefs Rams game from last year. Correct. That, that was a fun. I game. mean, the closest we had was the the Niners Saint. Well. The Niners-Saints game, the Niners-Ravens game, and the Niners-Seahawks game, all three of those games came down to essentially the last possession. But that's a Niners fan saying that. <laughs> I'm saying it's not my fault you got blown out on Monday night by the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, hey, Ravens were minus three that night, so I cashed that on that as well. <laughs> uh, 
you know, if there's any kind of uh, shouts out to your man uh, that lost his gig by saying that, that the reason why Lamar, Lamar Jackson was that cold. Yeah, you know, he's dark skin and black jersey. And an excellent troll by Lamar to come out the next game where all white. white. But then he didn't <laughs> he play didn't well. Play well. Yeah. He didn't play well. He had a great game against Buffalo. So is there some truth? To, I ain't touching it. But just saying, like, you just, even when I heard he, that. Even that game, he really didn't get off that game. The score was 20-17. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just sounded like a very you know hot button thing to say, and now your hot button ass got to go sit down yeah, somewhere for something like that. Did. All right, now with the AFC, we'll round around to that. I don't see anything of any real substance. All the teams that they expected to be super dope aren't really that dope. I mean, I mean, it's, it's a a two and a half team race, we'll call it, and the half a team I'm gonna say that is the Patriots, just because they can't score. Okay, so then who's the two teams then? The Ravens and Chiefs. Okay, people forgot about the Chiefs because Mahomes was injured. Because he dislocated his knee doing some Andy Reid nonsense Correct. play calling. So, I mean, he missed, what, two to three games? Missed three games, and they lost two of them? Yeah. Yeah. So so that's why he kind of forgot about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 9-4. and four. And they'll get a home playoff game. They'll get a home playoff game. They pro- they'll probably have to play the Patriots in New England. Which this situation, this time around, won't be that bad off. Correct, because New England can't score. Yeah, because Tom Brady's 42 years old and he can't take human growth on them. Yeah, so then you're looking at, okay, Chiefs-Ravens in Baltimore. That's pretty much most likely going to be the AFC Championship. Well. And so it comes down to then, can the Chiefs stop anybody? Well, they won't have to worry about that with the Patriots. But, yeah, if they come back to playing against the Ravens, they're just going to have to hope that Lamar hits like a pothole or something, like blows his ankle out or a knee because they play skill for skill. It's going to be a, a score fest, but they can run the ball and control clock longer than, than Mahomes being able to throw the ball around the field. Correct. And then before you know it, we're going to be at the first week of February and then all football gone. <laughs> Where did the, the year... draft? You got the draft. Yeah. We put the draft in April right after February. And I mean, it just makes you sit here and think, God damn, 2019 was a very important year for both of us. But shit, where the hell did the goddamn year go? Like, oh, it's gone quick. Because we we talking about the end of football. So you're like, yeah, damn. Oh, it's the end of the year, too. Like, we are less than two weeks out from the end of the year and the end of the 20 teens. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just like a combo platter that I wasn't expecting. Here's something that I will end up asking you about as we go out to the back end of the 2019 year. Is this just my thought? Is that music as a whole, hip hop album as a collective, it's been cool. I haven't felt like there's been artists that have made it to where I want to just really listen to them or a lot of breakout new artists where I'm getting out. The way that now with the streaming, yeah, I'm getting a lot of radar stuff that drops into my playlist, but it'll only be like one or two hits, essentially the SoundCloud concept. Correct. But there hasn't been a year of albums as a whole that have made it to be where I'm like, damn, I want to take a listen. This has been great music. Outside of some folks that are around our same age, which, you know, B and Shad and I had a conversation about on a different recording. Like, the new artists, where, where are they? So you listen to way more music than I do. First off, I ask you, is there anybody that I missed out on that is new that probably had a project that I probably should have listened to? And then let's just round it off and say your three most spun albums that you could also say your favorite albums of the year. Now, are we going to go by what, what Spotify cl- classifies as pop rap? Because when I got my little wrap up, <laughs> I didn't a, lot, know that a lot was in pop rap. Yeah, I didn't know that was a category, actually. I was like, mm, all right, it's so, all the same today. So like, new artists? I mean, Baby. I mean, his first project that dropped in March, that was enjoyable. That's that's how I classify an album. I don't fire or trash. I just okay. say it's enjoyable. means I, I can listen to it and there's enough songs in there. I can put it in the car or at the gym and enjoy it. It's okay. enjoyable. Okay. Uh, the Kirk album was enjoyable. An album that I, I enjoy that my wife teased me about was the Young M.A. album. 
She's like, you really, you really like this, don't you? And to me, yes, yes, I be head bopping. She be talking her shit. But if you over New York beats, and she sounds like my favorite New York rapper. She just happens to be a Female. woman yeah. talking about being with other women. But yeah. it's still the same cadence and subject matter. So I'm like, you know what? I can, I can get jiggy with this. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I can fuck with it. Yeah, Younger May always been a fan. Like that was, got- I was actually thoroughly impressed with that album. I, I listened to that. Uh, I mean, Alice P. He, he came out with shit. It, it might have been three or four projects throughout the year and I fuck with all of them uh, I still feel like if I can ever make my way to New York to go hit up that juice bar yeah just see what it's like other than that I mean I really just hit the daily I listen to a lot of old shit like I'm, I'm glad that Jay-Z counts as a stream yep 1500 streams counted an album so so they're just playing the math why, why am I going to make a four or five minute song if I'm going to be paid the same as if I make a two minute so now if you listen closely to a song a song will have two verses two verses and yeah, short you, bridge and then it's right out and right. so if me and you were doing a song back in the day we would have to write we'd have to write 24 bars each yep. a verse and a half now we only got to do 16 we might only have to do 12 each yeah we could do a, a hook in the beginning my 12 the hook bridge your 12 chorus and we're out here under three minutes and we're done and then that's another click there's a big difference between writing 12 bars and then writing 24 because you're not even being able to really tell a story because even when you used to hear the old number like you know 16 was always just that number to be able to round out whatever you were trying to get off in that verse from setting it build it hit your point and then get back out before the the hook hit you know if you're only doing a 12 or even these short eights then you can see why they just mumble and don't talk about you even when you write a verse and you write 16 once you get to 12 you start struggling a little bit like i need i need to close out this verse or i need to you need to put in a line in here. But if you just, but anyone could come up with four to eight lines easily. Yeah. A beat comes on, you've never heard it before, you're vibing to it. You know, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. You can mumble yourself to four to eight bars. Well, we hear it almost on like every SoundCloud rapper has now. Correct. You know, that they mumble through the first four. You might get some real words on the next four, and then they go into the hook. Correct. <sighs> but as someone that writes lyrics, like full-time gig, like basically everywhere you be, you have to be looking to see something that's going to be able to make you write a, write a line. Because that was the premise. You had to have, you had your, your story raps. You had your 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 quote unquote your street raps. You had your girl raps, and how you wrote those raps were differently. And even like that genre of rap now, like there's not as many subgenres like that. At least no. to me, you know. I mean, almost everything almost is basically pop rap. And I mean, there's, there's it's gangster rap. There's still, I guess, the quote unquote the gangster rap. If you want to go on the new side, I guess Griselda would be the new the new gangster rapper, yep. being being the All Conway day. Benny. But what's funny about them? As I cannot get into their music. As much as I like the locks, as much as I like all that hard, grimy New York shit, I do not know what it is about them that I cannot get into. I think it's the beats. I don't think there's enough, maybe I, there's just not enough to them for me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, because when I hear them, I mean, I'm a big fan of Benny the Butcher. And then anytime he's, I could see that, because when he's on like a freestyle or something, they gave him a beat, like it seems Yeah, like, like when just, he's on the Jim Jones album, I like him on that. goes off. Yeah. But but I've tried numerous of their own. I say I don't hear what you guys hear. I hear the the lyric the the skill lyrically, mm-hmm. but I just can't get jiggy with it. And then, but I'm like that with with popular rappers like J Cole. Like, I understand he is he is very good at rapping. Yes, he just doesn't make songs and music. A lot of them that I like. I've had more Cole albums that I have passed on than ones that I will give consistent replay to. I mean, Forrest Hill drives pretty much the only one that like gets that consistent. I'm like that with Nas. Like, I, I understand lyrically Nas is great. Not good, but great. But musically, as far as the songs he makes, I don't like the majority of them. 
well, we also know Nas was a top five worst beat batcher. And I and it, it, I think it's just a combination of both with with myself. Yeah, you got to have a decent enough balance. Like I can rock with a beat, and if you can at least carry the verse on the beat, if it's a good beat, and then if it's a super dope MC, as long as the beat's not 100% trash, you can float. Correct. But if there's a big drastic swing one or the other, it's tough for me to listen, especially now at what we are music-wise and in our age and our conscious level. You don't just have enough time to be listening to trash music. So as soon as they don't hit exactly what you want, you're already passing to the next one. Correct. And it's just it's unfortunate that we have so much music nowadays that you feel like you're missing out on music. In some ways, too, I feel like it's good that I'm not hearing some of this music because it might make it to where I stop listening but, to even the music I listen to. But it, it, we are to the point where an album can come out on a Friday. You can like that album next Thursday night comes around you're like oh what else is out like like, oh damn nothing else dropped like it's okay just go back to the albums you you haven't even learned the words to yet like it's funny that now I can't remember the last album where I I learned all the words to to the album yeah it's been a minute but I can like I said all these Jay-Z songs that are now on Spotify I can know the the album word for word and how was I able to to memorize this album which has more words to it, more verses and more syllables than a new album that comes out, and I can't remember the words. Is it because I'm in the car and I've got, I'm also on my phone at the light? Is it because I'm just vibing to the beat? I'm not even paying attention to the lyrics or consuming the music differently, or how, however it goes. It's just a different time, different time with our conscious of what we listen to with the music and how we consume it. And again, we just don't have that same kind of patience. The whole bears it connected to a time in our lives too where you was learning and you were grinding it, like it was the true soundtrack to what your life was moving right. now i listen to music and it's just a part of what i do in the background it's not the same as where i had a story a hard knock life that kind of reminded me of doing this late night run or you know the best of both worlds was basically a summer that we went through it just it's different now you know when i listen to music now it's in a lot of ways background music unless it's something that just somebody says hey this came out this bangs and i tend to end up listening to more r&b more instrumentals i'll be killing the lo-fi on spotify now <laughs> so so i'm getting all the dope beats and i ain't got to hear no trash rappers on it get, get your bars in get yeah. your pen and pad out and, you know shuck Rose studios is not set up to, be, to drop high 16s you know and i think you can't jump in the game plus 40 if you was you know at least floundering in the game around 40 then yeah you can keep going but you but, can't hey, but you can write and then you find some young thundercat and you're like hey here's my notebook yeah <sighs> you got to find a young Thundercat that you can trust to get the bars off without yeah, you know that's where your A&R comes in you got to groom them if there was <laughs> hey if there was more A&Rs we'd have less of these little young Thundercats popping pills but see now now they can record in a room just like this get their album out upload it and be good to go and then have Make no idea hit. what they're doing just be out there and be stars or be like Summer Walker look like at, I'm, uh, I'm nervous like well you should have thought of that Designer Little Nas X they, you think they set out to make that hit no they were just making music yeah. put this song out there and it took off and they weren't ready for it to take off yep. they had no other songs in, in the tuck ready to go they wasn't an artist they didn't know how to write other songs they were just stuck they didn't know how to tour they didn't know how to be able to present themselves as an artist to project additional opportunities It. they might not even been looking to become artists they just made one song for fun yeah and took off. Hey, they'll figure out them rich people problems, you know, somewhere along the line, as long as they don't blow all of it. Well, exactly. little Nas X, I don't know, designer, I don't know. I mean, that Panda, and it, it may not stretch it that far. That was the number three song streamed on my Spotify. Pa- yeah, because my son, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, like, so my number back. one song was Skywalker because he requested every time in the car. Okay. And number three was Panda because he requested all the time in the car. Okay. Juice World was top ten because he requested all the time in the car. And there was some stuff off the, the Spider-Man soundtrack. 
Yeah, which isn't that bad. Because he requested all the all yeah. the time in the car. Into the Spider Verses, it was decent. Yeah. The Post Malone Sunflower Joint. Man. But on his Spotify, his number one song was uh was Kendrick was his number one artist on his own Spotify. Somebody that is on that short list of people that I will look forward to dropping an album in twenty twenty. It's been quiet in the streets for him, at least from the T D E camp. Correct. You know, and J Rock go ahead and throw another West Coast album out one time for the Oh boys. and oh, a new artist that you should check out who I'm that's my new artist is, is Mozzie out of Sacramento. Okay. Okay. Well, I already got like some You got a playlist on Spotify. It's called This Is Mozzie. Just go hit that and hit shuffle. Okay. You'll be good to go. So I'll add Mozzie and then thank you, Sean, for you know getting a few more dollars on your streams by releasing your music onto Spotify because I know you need the extra rent money as you get more natural product for your head. All right. Look, we got through this episode quick. Greatly appreciate it, Mr. Kid. Uh, if there's any last comments you would like to make, let people know how, where to find you, what it is that you're looking at doing in 2020, and any other random shit that you'd like to finish out with. Uh, I mean, I'm just planning. I got I got a vacation coming up in July. We got your bachelor party coming up sometime in 2020. True. We got the we got the wedding coming up 10 10 20. So we're True. looking forward to that. You know, I'm looking at an Airbnb in Sedona currently. Yeah, all the pockets empty in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that. You know, we we got spring baseball starting up in, in February. So right back out on the field again. Grind don't stop. Yeah, that's what's up. Man. All right, look. By the time this episode posts, it'll be right around the Christmas holidays. So we'll just say Merry holidays because we don't want to get anybody mad about Kwanzaa happy, Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Yeah, they'll just say Merry Holidays and then a Merry New Year's to everybody. Y'all be safe out there. Avoid all the trappings and make sure that you keep your family in mind when you're sitting there moving, shaking around through the city. For Bino, somewhere out there trying to keep a kid from shoplifting a baseball glove. The CJ kid, we out. Till next time. Appreciate y'all. My mom in. She's standing outside. She's in the room. We was recording. All right, we out. <laughs>